Booster is excited to support DIA Schools Collaborative on furthering the missions of our respective organizations through Follow to Lead podcast and other DIA programming. Visit ChooseBooster.com for details on Booster's school fundraising events, technology, and customized spirit gear. Booster can help your Catholic school meet and exceed its fundraising goals. Learn more today. Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host. And today we're continuing our six-part series based on the presentation from 2005 by Archbishop Michael Miller, then Secretary of the Congregation of Catholic Education, called The Holy See's Teaching on Catholic Schools. And in this series, we're focusing on the five essential marks of Catholic education as outlined in the document, hitchhiking on the four ecclesial marks of the Church from the Creed, Archbishop Miller identified five scholastic marks that make a school essentially Catholic. They are inspired by a supernatural vision, founded on a Christian anthropology, animated by communion and community, imbued by a Catholic worldview, and sustained by the witness of teaching. For those who would be interested in obtaining a copy of this document, we have a special edition that is available on our website at diaschools.org. And today, we're going to be discussing the fourth essential mark, imbued by a Catholic worldview. And to help us explore this very important topic, I'm joined by Chris Valdez, who is the principal of Marin Catholic in Kentfield, California. Chris is in his 31st year as an educator in the San Francisco Archdiocese and the 15th year as principal of Marin Catholic. He began his teaching career at Archbishop uh, Riordan High School, which uh, he is also a graduate, and uh, then headed to Marin Catholic to serve in the administration. And since his move there, Chris has served in several capacities, including Dean of Students, Assistant Principal for Curriculum and Instruction, and an English teacher. Chris holds a bachelor's degree in English from the University of California in Santa Barbara, a secondary teaching credential from San Francisco State University, and a master's in Catholic educational leadership from the University of San Francisco. 
He currently serves as the president of the Marin County Athletic League Board of Managers. And Chris and his wife, Kathleen, uh, live in San Francisco, and they have two adult children, Jesse and Georgia. So, Chris, welcome to the program. Father Randy Slide, thank you very much for having me. I'm a big fan of uh, your podcast, so it's really excited to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, this is uh, really going to be, an, I think, an interesting subject for us to to dig into. But before we do, I always uh, want to give opportunity for our guests to share just a little bit about themselves. And so could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your upbringing? My upbringing? So uh, I am a, a native son here of San Francisco, and so I was bred and born in the, the San Francisco Archdiocese. I uh, attended public schools uh, for my first for my k-8 years so i was a i was a, a ccd kid in the after school program so i was one of those kids who go into the uh into holy angels is where is where uh, was our, our parish uh, when i was growing up and um i was fascinated by uh, the differences in those classrooms versus where i was uh, in the public school also you know to the point of like opening those kids desks and, and rummaging around them which is what <laughs> ccd kids do stealing pencils and that kind of thing so I went to uh, I, I was I I, I I did my first sacraments there. I also then um, went to made the jump uh, to uh, Catholic high school as my sister did. She went to Mercy High School here in San Francisco. Uh, then I followed up and went to Reardon High School. Um, all all along, um, uh, you know, sort of sort of kept the faith well uh, and um, you know was was active in, in campus ministry, active in uh, my 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 teen club at, at my parish, that that kind of thing. Uh, but then certainly drifted for a while. Uh, college, those college years were drifting years for me, and and in some ways turning turning my back on the faith in some ways. Right, uh, um, I was blessed to be hired at Reardon High School, even though I was underqualified, uh, underprepared in some ways. But uh, but uh, uh, the principal there took a chance on me. I spent I spent many years teaching there before I took the jump uh, up to to uh, Marin Catholic, where I have um, uh, found a found a, a vocation uh, in administration, and certainly have found. Um, uh, sort of what I maybe you'd call a reversion to the faith. Uh, it certainly was clear to me that if I was going to be an effective principal, I needed to redouble my efforts to, to to be a student of this faith, and that has come with all kinds of fruits, as you might imagine. Um, mm -hmm. And there's certainly many, many people along the road there at Marine Catholic that um, that uh, have have informed and inspired that most most especially. Uh, Bishop Daly, uh, uh, who who is a friend of the show, I know uh, uh, Tim Navoni, um, our president, uh, uh, and and uh, the um, no doubt about this, this the uh, Dominican sisters at the school, Mary Mother of the Eucharist, ha have all inspired a, a kind of return to the Eucharist on our campus, and and uh, it's producing great things, and 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 certainly in me uh, a deep and abiding faith that that I never had before. So uh, I'm, I'm I feel blessed to do that. That's great. Now it sounds it sounds a little bit like uh, your entry into Catholic education was not necessarily uh, following a calling at that point, but becoming a teacher, and then the calling kind of uh, took place. Is that fair? That's a good way to. That's a, I think a really good way to put it. Right. In fact, if there was a calling, and and, and certainly the calling was always there, uh, I couldn't hear it or see it, or I resisted it for for a good long time, having been kind of. You know, uh, formed in outside of the faith for for many many years in college and and uh, in my own explorations. So yes, I think that's the right father. 
Yeah, it's it's great to hear about your Dominican sisters. When I was president of St. Michael, we have Dominican sisters there too from the same order. And I think I inherited some of your Marin sisters at St. Michael. Uh, excellent. Yeah, they're transformative. Wonderful, wonderful uh, additions to our teaching staff for sure. So uh you ended up uh in administration. Was this again uh something that you kind of aspired toward, or was that just kind of invite the the school inviting you to kind of go deeper into uh, leadership? Yeah, you know, I mean, in, in retrospect, I kind of look back and see that there was sort of a call to leadership all along. You know, having the team captains on, along the ways, retreat leaders in high school. You know, all those all those things that sort of give you a sort of taste of what leadership is like. So I, I do feel like I had been given lots of opportunities for that. I was. I was called up to Marine Catholic because a, uh, a you know, a, a mentor of mine, a mentor teacher, and then a mentor administrator invited me to come, right? It, it, it almost, it always starts with invitation. Uh, so I gave that to consideration. I, I started as Dean of, of Students, uh, which is, you know, you go from being an English teacher where I was, uh, and English teachers, as as you kind of know, have, have, are, you know, are, are among the sort of most liked teachers, right? They're, they're in relationship because you really focus on story uh, so much that draws people together. I went from there to to the dean of, of, of students where I'd walk down the halls and people would just scatter, right? They had nothing <laughs> to do with it. So there was a, uh, there was a, a temporariness to, to, to that work I knew because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, and there's not a lot of love quite often. Um, but it, with time, you, you build up, you, you build up some thicker skin, right? And you start recognizing, uh, you start going beyond the mind you have, right? And you start looking towards what the benefits of this are, how, how does that role contribute in the, in the overall sort of functioning of a school. And uh, um, so I, I learned to sort of embrace that. And, and undoubtedly, that, that experience as Dean of, of Students really still continues to inform how I practice, how I relate with kids and parents and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, and so, you know, no, it was it was never a clear call to administration, but that invitation made a big difference. And then there was a lot of discernment. I mean, I spent the first right. few days of that first weeks, months of that of that um, uh, of that call as deans thinking, like, when is this going to be over? Because I'm this isn't for me. Right. This is not, <laughs> I'm getting back in the classroom as soon as I possibly can. And, you know, 20 years later, here I am. It's interesting, though, I think being uh, an administrator, uh, especially now uh, that such uh, writings like Archbishop Miller's paper really can play a big part in terms of helping to guide and form uh, your leadership and administration uh, in a school. Uh, as you look at Archbishop Miller's uh, whole document on the Holy See's uh, view of Catholic education. What's what are some of your basic impressions of the document and these five marks that we're looking at? Well, so we've we've used this document as part of our faith formation and professional development with our staff, and so a lot of my impressions are based on that experience. Mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost, um, it's clear and concise, uh, concise as all all excellent uh, uh, writing is. Right, it's very very clear. It's very concise. It's broken down in an easily accessible way. It, it both uh, guides, it directs, and it also inspires. Right, it's it's, it's beautifully written. The, the the quotes that come from scripture or from uh, uh, you know from other church teachings from the the, the papal encyclicals, they're all beautiful. They all they all sort of inspire. And what was most gratifying as we were going through the five marks mm -hmm. with 
with our faculty and staff, which is a mixed faculty and staff, right? There's there's some uh, uh, there's 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 hard practicing Catholics and there's people searching and seeking. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it, it resonated with with everybody, uh, and um, it had something to say to every every heart in, in the building. So, for me, um, that that's all I can ask for, right? There, there, that that it's it's a way of sort of gathering together to kind of contemplate uh, and discuss who we are, and what we're trying to accomplish. So, uh, so that that concision is important. Uh, the other thing I really liked about the five marks themselves uh, is that individually they're they're, they're very helpful. Um, in considering the various components of our school, but they also integrate and, and complement one in, one another very importantly, right? Uh, mm -hmm. as, if you're going to be an integrated uh, community serving to integrate kids, the, the, the guiding principles and the guiding documents should be integrated as well. So um, I, 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 uh, I plotted for that as well, that integration. So today, what I really want to do is kind of dig into that fourth essential mark, uh, which is imbued by a Catholic worldview. And in talking about a worldview, let's start with a good working definition. What do we mean by that term, worldview? So, you know, a, a worldview sort of maybe begins with the sort of lens that you're you're, you're seeing, you're seeing. And, and, you know, this is right, I'll go right back to, to another essential mark, and that is the, the mark of Christian anthropology. Uh, the worldview has a sense of um, of, 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 of creation, the, the world that God created, it also has a sense of what the human person is and what it, what it is called to, right? So the world, the worldview is is a, a lens and a way to sort of um, uh, sort of frame frame our enterprise. You can't do all things at one time, so you got to frame things, right? So it's so it's a lens by which to uh, to, to frame. Um, it's also the Catholic worldview is also on what is being viewed in the end, right? And so the 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 ultimate you know, the difference between a Catholic school and and, and say just a, a public school um, is that uh, what are we what are we looking at, right? So how are we looking and what are we looking at? And of course for us uh, it, it's the source and, and, and summit, right? Uh, and so that's why our mission at Marine Catholic is lead students to Jesus Christ. That is the framing worldview by which we are um, sort of uh, doing our diligent work. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I love your differentiation of those two points because they are both really critical, aren't they? That it's how we look, but it's also what we look at. Yes. That a Catholic worldview would, would say, no, we don't look at this. So there's a sense of selectivity. Would that be yes. a way of looking at it? That's a good, yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. a really good, good way to put it. You know, we talk in education um, in, in general education of, about producing lifelong learners, um, uh, that's a, there's a worldview on that. That there's something good in being a lifelong learner, uh, but it doesn't tell you doesn't tell us what we're learning and 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 why we're learning and to what end are we learning. It just talks about being a lifelong learner. So I think that's one of the distinctions. Is is uh, yes, the, the the viewer and what is being viewed is is vitally important. And I'm going to pull some extracts out of this and have us kind of use those to orbit around our discussion. And one of the things that he said at the beginning of that section, he said, Catholicism should permeate not just the class period of catechism or religious education or the school's pastoral activities, but the entire curriculum. Thus, instruction mm -hmm. should be authentically Catholic in content and methodology across the entire program of studies. Catholicism has a particular take on reality that should animate its schools. It is a comprehensive way of life to be enshrined in the school's curriculum. 
Now, these are a pretty overarching and, and lofty words. Uh, for you, what does this look like as a principal uh, as you execute it in a school? What, is, what does it mean to have the entire curriculum per, being permeated by Catholicism? Well, I think I, I think I'll start with um, this. You know, again, the notion of Christian anthropology, right? That who, who the human person is, and uh, you know, and 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 uh, this 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 entails that also that that supernatural vision that we are we are made for a higher order. We are made for a relationship with God. We're made for a transcend for transcendence. Uh, and so we we are telos. Our kids have telos, right? And so we. We are going to um, develop a curriculum that's always going to go beyond the material. It's always going to go go beyond the present day, which matters very much. But so is the the, the eternal destiny of the child. Um, uh, I, I also think you know that that word comprehensive is really important. The the uh, we we often uh, when, so I, I think one of the, one of the things that tells us is that we actually have to steep ourselves from the very beginning of our enterprise. Um, both in uh, in scripture and in, in tradition. We have to be keenly aware that there's a 2000 year tradition here. And, and really it, it's, it's longer than that, right? But there's a 2000 year tradition of, of, of education at work here um, uh, that we need to sort of tap into. Um, uh, and so we, we, look at, we look at tradition, we look at scripture, which all, and, and we of course look at uh, you know, church teach, teachings, everything from the catechism, um, to uh, the, the encyclicals, again, to all of the wondrous um, scholarly works that have been produced over the ages. So we have, it's, it's important to remember that we have those at our fingertips, at our hands, at our disposal, in fact. Um, and I say that uh, important. it's important because uh, there are also lots of other um, uh, uh, sort of movements in education, right? That are that are tempting. That that are really kind of attending to the sort of here and now. Uh, where what are we educating kids for right here, right today in, in 2023? And 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 our goal is to be both and, right? To educate now. So we have to be concerned about the market. We have we you know we have to keep, be concerned about these trends and best practices that are sort of informing our students' lives um, outside of our classroom walls. Um, but we always have to we always have to go to church teaching first. And so and I, and I say this because it's a temptation of many of our many of our faculty members and my own to, to kind of look at best practices or trends in education that might um, may, might seem uh, good. But they have to be sort of measured against the structure of our Catholic identity and our and our, and our, our Catholic belief system. Uh, and so that, that's a I think that's a big challenge for mm -hmm. uh, for us as educators today, um, making sure that. Um, these these church practices are the beginnings of all of our design and redesign of curriculum. Now, I think one stereotypical way that people could view this is a Catholic school then only reads Catholic books, only looks at Catholic literature. Uh, mm -hmm. But as an English, uh, with a background in English, as an English teacher, uh, there I would guess there are ways that we can use our Catholic lens on other uh, writings. It's not a stereotypical, we're only going to read Catholic stuff. Would that be fair? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it is fair. Uh, we we have gone through, uh, in our English department at Marine Catholic, the, the, that question very much, right? Uh, given our Catholic lens, given our Catholic worldview, what should we study and contemplate is really the question, right? What should we study 
uh, and contemplate. It's not an easy. It's not an easy question to to, to answer by any means. And developing the criteria for uh, how you choose texts, right? Uh, and 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 again, in the common sort of uh, contemporary approach, uh, there's a there's a heavy emphasis on representation. There's a heavy uh, heavy emphasis on uh, on diversity and, and those kinds of things. All have value, of course they do, right? Um, uh, th there's no doubt about that. Um, but that's, in my view, representation is sort of a second principle, not a first principle uh, of, of how we go about choosing our text. Um, if our mission is to lead students to Jesus Christ, uh, which it is, uh, then everything in the curriculum, everything that we do should be pointing towards him in some way. Um, and yes, uh, to use a, to, to use a, a very simplistic um, uh, example or opposition is that we can take a, a, a text that may have a, um, uh, a, you know, a, a counter view from away from Catholicism. Uh, but what we always do is sort of bring it, bring it in, frame it in the gospel and see how it holds up. Right. That's, that's a, that's a way to do it. Right. So you can find that you can do a comparison and contrast Venn diagram kind of exercise and looking at these things that are outside the, outside the, um, the, the curriculum. You know, one of the things we do, our senior uh, level English class um, uh, is, is anchored. All of our English classes are anchored uh, in, uh, in a parable, and and, and Jesus is storytelling. Um, uh, this this is vitally important. So that's where our criteria selection begins. Um, it begins in a, in a in a parable, teaching of Christ, um, and uh, the resonating teaching. Right? These are these are stories, of course, that everybody you know. They're just they're, they're integral to our culture, um, and then also framed in essential questions. So our senior year class is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Excuse me, the parable of the prodigal son, mm -hmm. uh, and this is this is designed because students are on. Uh, they're on the threshold, right? They're about to head off into freedom land, right? They're about to go out there and, and exercise their freedom. Um, and so one of the goals there is to look at maybe some of the potential pitfalls of that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you can read lots of literature, lots of works about those pitfalls. They're abundant. They're everywhere, right? About how things go wrong. Uh, I, uh, the, the essential question of that class, uh, what does it mean to be free? Free is um, it's a, it's a complex philosophical question. Um, uh, but it's one that students are hungry to, to, to explore. I, I've recently rewatched the, the movie The Graduate. I'm not sure if you're familiar with The Graduate. Oh, oh yes. Dustin Hoffman's movie. And I just love that as, a, as I was thinking about these seniors that were about to graduate. Um, you know, that, that story begins. It's not a Catholic story, I wouldn't say. It's got, it, it certainly has Christian principles and, it, and, and there's no doubt about it. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's still part of a, a, the age of Christendom in some ways. Um, but it begins with that graduate kind of being on that platform. You remember that people mover, right? He really doesn't have control. He's just being moved along by the machine, by the system. Uh, and he is going through an existential crisis. The whole movie is an existential crisis. And it ends with this act of freedom, right? This act, this movement towards uh, a, a, a sort of taking life in your own hands and moving forth, right? It, it ends in that chapel scene uh, where Dustin Hoffman uh, the, the church is locked. He can't get in symbolically important there. Right. And he actually liberates the woman who's at the altar about to get married, his, his ex-girlfriend and, and, and takes her away. And they seem to have this ultimate freedom. There's good music going and they're running down the street and their own two legs no longer being moved by the people mover. Uh, and then they get on that bus at the end. And the end is so good as Simon and Garfunkel come over and, um, uh, and they both have this look of, joy to slow despair right like they're, they're right back in the existential crisis because they don't know what this freedom is for they right. got it but they don't know yeah. what to do with it right so i think that's an excellent 
um, maybe counter counter narrative. Well, it's it's a pro narrative, but it's sort of set up as a as a as a, as a way from the church that that movie I, I would say largely. But it, there's so much to be learned there inside our church uh, by what it produces. So that's an example of uh, of, a, of a of a non-Catholic text text um, that really can inspire uh, some interesting conversations about the fundamental principles of of, of being uh, made uh, in His likeness and image and having this free will. It's interesting when I think about that movie, there's this one scene where he dives into the pool with his uh, snorkeling gear on and just stands yeah. at the bottom of the pool. Uh, yeah. And again, it's, it's like, I really, I'm, I'm surrounded and I don't know what to do. I'm totally helpless. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, You're talk about, yeah, yeah, talk, talk about casting into the deep, right? Casting the deep without purpose, without, without guidance, without that vocational call is just drowning. Right. That's, that's what's going on in that, in that, in that scene. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And then Archbishop Miller actually brings kind of a component of that in by saying that it, uh, that a Catholic school undertakes to educate the whole person addressing mm -hmm. the requirements of his or her natural and supernatural perfection. And so there is that sense of, 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 of wholeness that we have to look at everything that that person is about. What does that look like in in real life and education? To look at the whole person. Yeah, that's that's a good question. You know, so certainly education is made up of at least three three components in a school building. The first one is curricular. That is the the the, the content, skills, assessment, pedagogy inside the classroom. But equally important here, and this is really really important to emphasize. Um, is that there is a co-curricular program, right? That that supports, complements, and and does things that the classroom can't do, right? And the co-curricular, uh, these are the requirements of of, of their, the student experience um, that entail retreats, for example, right? Every student at our school is required to go on retreat. It's not an extra. It is a it is a vital and integrated part of their experience. Uh, every student is required to do service, uh, and that's and and that's against to to complement. Uh, the curriculum. If students are learning the corporal works of mercy inside their theology classes and elsewhere, they need to also go out and do it, right? They can't just talk about right. it. They can't just think about it. They got to go out and do it, right? And that's where the learning happens, in fact, right, is, the, is, is in the doing. Uh, and then there's the extracurricular program. That is the, the, the individual students making their unique choices about what else they are interested in, want to uh, uh, take part in. And that's your 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 athletic program, uh, huge in Catholic schools, of course. Um, the theater program, clubs, activities, student government, all of those other things—they're all curricular, um, and they're all vitally important. So, curricular, uh, co-curricular, and extracurricular—they also should. So, they should also—they all need to—they all need to uh, uh, inform and complement one another. Um, you know, there is a, a huge movement has been around for 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 a while now in education about experiential learning. And so we can we can learn a lot about what's going what, what should be done inside the the, the the formal traditional classroom from what's going on in the informal or the or the the, the outside classroom. I, I love to use football as a, as as an analogy because what football does um, is uh, well one thing it has it sets a really high standard that's really important here. But you know you you first learn by your coach telling you what to do or you know and, and we're if we're talking about blocking and tackling the fundamentals he's going to tell you what to do first secondly he's going to um then bring a model of someone who knows how to do it really well for you to see and watch and then try to imitate and then third he's going to put you in the practice and that means that means 
taking the things you've learned, taking the things you've seen um, and, and, and doing them and doing them over and over again, right? The key to, to being a great block blocker tackler is repetition and practice. The beauty of football as well is that there is a built-in assessment at the end of the week too, right? You got to then go out and do it in a sort of high stakes, highly emotional um, uh, you know, battle that matters to you, that has public view and all, all those kinds of things. So I think there's a lot to be learned from the, from the extracurricular program of, of athletics. Um, when it comes to, um, but when it comes to the sort of formalized, uh, so so when it comes to the formalized uh, work of the classroom, we should be actually be following all those components on a level, right? All of those right. components I just described uh, should be also taking place in in the classroom, uh, the, the formal classroom itself. So when we're talking about exper experiential learning, um, we're always we're always talking about both ends. We're, we're we're talking about you got to do the reps, right? And we know rote. Um, has has a bad rap these days. We we know that, but but nobody's ever learned from not repeating things over and over and over and over again, right? So so repetition is really really uh, vitally important, uh, and the practice and the failing and the doing, but all all those things that you, you would learn in a practice uh, also have to take place in those those classrooms as well. So there's a an, again reciprocal relationship. Things that are being done in the classroom uh, should should point towards what's going on in the extracurriculars and and, and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, uh, it permeates, uh, athletics. It also permeates the arts. I mean, you can't have a yes. concert or a play, uh, or a final painting or something without going through the essentials, the rudiments and to, to build those in. So in a you sense, gotta, you got to play the, you got to play those scales. Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so this is, this is really a part of helping uh, students to learn that every part of life is built out of these basics that are mastered and learned and then implemented in a greater way. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, you know, take the language classroom then for, uh, for example, learning the foreign language or let, you know, when you say foreign language or, or it's commonly said world languages these days, we're really just talking about a language that's non-native, right? That's not a language that is our own. So we're learning about, um, uh, other other people. Language um, is a tool for connectivity and knowing, right? We know that, right? John's gospel tells us that the word made flesh, right? The language itself is critical, a critical tool and a critical gift we have uh, for connecting with one another. And when you're learning a foreign language, and we, we focus on Spanish and Italian uh, in our school, one, because, uh, well, there's so much, there, we, we're, you know, we're in California here, so there's a lot of Spanish-speaking uh, people. Uh, right. There's a lot of, there's a huge immigration population. We learned Italian because, well, we're Catholic, and there's a lot of Italian um, descending people in our, in our schools. So we do both of those. Uh, but, um, you know, that, 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 that language, you know, language can be pretty rote and repetitious at the at the beginning. Uh, and in order to infuse life into it, um, it's 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 important to sort of connect that language that language acquisition. Um, well, to the parable of the Good Samaritan, for example, how am I to, how ought I treat others? Right? Who is my neighbor, and what 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 does that mean? And what am I called? Uh, to do. What are my obligations to, to my neighbor there? Uh, that's what language really should be on some level. It has other values and other things as well. So don't get me wrong. But but in terms of that that Catholic identity and our Catholic mission, um, really connecting with others is, is, is one of those vital, vital things that that language does for us. So so I always say, like, if you're if you're really interested in social justice, right, if you really are worried about and concerned uh, about um, the underserved or the poor, um, learn their language. There's nothing more respectful 
um, uh, that you can do than to speak someone in their native tongue. Uh, and and um, you can really develop a relationship really fast just with the effort to do so, right? So again, taking that, taking that formal curriculum of Spanish and really uh, you know, putting the gospel over it and, and, and see, what, see what happens. And I think, Father, this is, a, this is an exercise you could do across the curriculum. If you're doing, if you have your language outcomes, for example, and you have your theology or gospel outcomes and you put them together, you're going to find where where does the distortions happen, mm-hmm. um, and then where where you necessarily need to make some adjustments. If your if your approach to language is distorting the gospel, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with it, right? And if you're and if you're if the gospel is not illuminating your foreign language exercise and enterprise, there's something wrong there as well, right? And so so coming to some alignment and some 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 uh, some fullness there is is really important. Now, uh, one of the things that Archbishop Miller did in this document is he. Uh, added two subsets to the section. One was called the search for wisdom and truth, and the other faith, culture, and life. And in the uh, search for wisdom and truth, it, it seems like he's really emphasizing that experiential side of what you're talking about. And he says Catholic schools do far more than convey information to passive students, which I think is a powerful image. Uh, they aspire to teach wisdom, habituating their students to desire learning so much that he or she will delight in becoming a self-learner. Uh, now, this does sound a little bit ideological, you know, uh, and, and, and a little idealistic. Um, how, can, 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 how does this really work out in, in our daily culture in the Catholic school? It's it's challenging, uh, you know, when uh, when parents are paying twenty five thousand dollars a year for tuition, as as they are at Marine Catholic, uh, they they want some they they want some practical results, right? And so they're they're they are looking, you know, practical meaning they want college acceptances, right? They want they want to see their kids have full opportunity, right? And so it's it is tempting always to to you know to 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 regress to to the practical. Um, or to use a word we all use now, utilitarian practice, right? When when we're much much more than that, mm-hmm. uh, and so th- that that is that is one that is one tempting thing that we have to 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 we to, to to be considerate of. We always have to do both ends, Father. As I said, you know, we are, you know, I I I love Bishop Barron's definition of that word met, metanoia, right? That, that that penitential sort of consideration there, and um, that that definition is to go beyond the mind you have, right? That's always the case, right? Why uh, if 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 uh, if if um, um, uh, you are um, if you really are interested in transformation of culture, for example, right, that that, that um, you really you really need to be able to recognize and understand um, uh, again that that the practices that are that have been tried and tried and tried again don't necessarily without without the gospel without without a, a transcendent nature they they actually don't work. You just you just keep defaulting back to to the material practice, right, and so. Um, but we, but we, we, we have the good news here, right? The good news is we have the good news and, um, we can, we can do both. And we can set up kids for uh, right ordered thinking, right ordered communication, uh, right ordered problem solving, all of, all of the things that, that, that are the problem solvers of our existence framed in Catholic culture. Um, so that kids can, so, so, so that kids can realize and understand that the things they are learning here are transferable to all aspects of their existence, all aspects of their life, all aspects, aspects of their work, and certainly all aspects of their relationship. 
with that in mind, uh, can you think, uh, for example, when you have alumni coming back maybe to visit the school, uh, do you see some validation of that in terms of students saying, boy, you know, this school really set me up for being able to do this in my yeah. studies in college or whatever? Yeah, we do. We, 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 we get that regular. I don't know if it's just the kids who are celebrating the success that come back. Cause we hear a lot of that when kids come back, yeah. very few come back and wag their finger at us, ask for their money back. That doesn't happen. But uh, we do, we get, we get regular um, uh, uh, feedback from students at all levels of the college level and, and, and of colleges and, and uh, all 98% of our kids will go on to four year schools. So we have a, we have a um, we have a very blessed community that in that way. Oh uh, yeah, we get we get them coming back all the time talking about how first of all they were very well prepared for college because they learned how to read, write, and think at our school. Right. Um, and 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 they will use those words. They learned how to read, write, and think, and they see themselves relative to their peers who who may be very smart. And of course, you know that's that, that's not necessarily means you're well educated, right? Um, but are maybe maybe struggle or, or or grasp a little bit. They will also say that the discipline they learned in terms of uh, the organization in terms of uh, planning, in terms of training things in on time, all those kinds of things are just boundlessly uh, um, helpful. Uh, one of the things that I, I hear and I'm very proud of is that our kids really um, uh, believe that they graduate with strong research skills, which is a, a little bit of a, a practice that has, I think, faded away, at least it faded away during my time. So we're returning back to that, recognizing that there are authorities beyond ourselves that may know things that can teach us things, right? And we should we should know them and we should cite them appropriately, all those, those kinds of things. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, and, and the biggest thing that we hear is that um, they, they miss our community, right? They miss that, that whole aspect of learning in community where you're known, seen, uh, and loved. And, you know, and, and, you know, as the world gets bigger, it becomes less intimate. That's just the way, way it often goes. I will say, though, Father, on the other hand, um, I particularly during uh the 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 during the the pandemic uh and 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 post rod i was gonna say rodney king that's that's uh, showing my age there um the george floyd incident uh the george floyd murder um there was a lot of activist movement as you know and i was hearing back at that time from many more students that um that expressed a, a disappointment that they weren't better um, trained and better sort of uh, prepared for uh, college life that really focuses on questions of, of, eth uh, of, of diversity and, and inclusion uh, and, and equity, right? So they're, they're like, this, where is that in our curriculum uh, is, is a question. It's a fair, it's a fair question. It's, it was met at that time with a lot of angst and anxiety, um, but, I, but it's a real question that I think we uh, need to be prepared to answer. I think especially if you're looking at those things, again, through a Catholic worldview, uh, there is not only a means of processing, but an approach that can be transferable, that they can take with them as they go on. Uh, right. And as as we look at that, and I think that's really a fair question, by the way, to look at, are we addressing some of these these issues that you're they're going to face out in the world, the woke issues? cancel culture things, but to do it, uh, from, a uh, again, a Catholic lens, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this for certain. Yeah. I, I, I do think we are obligated to have a, 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 a good response to, to that question. Well, why did we not cover, you know, this in, in school? Um, and 
you know, my, my first answer to, to, to that uh, always is uh, we did cover it. You just, you're just not making the connections. That that's really what what the issue right. is, right? So if you really believe, uh, you know, in social justice, you got to know where that where that comes from. It's it's not it, if you just look at social justice on its own, you're leaving out well so much. You're leaving out the human person, so you're going to get it wrong, right? If it's not if it's again not framed properly, so that's the biggest question, right? Um, but I also uh, I also um, really uh so so make so that tells me at school we need to make those connections better right um because what kids when kids fall into the trends or they, or they jump on the the, the train of whatever may be happening at the university um it's going to be powerful because it's new and, and it's being sort of communicated by really smart people and it's out of culture and so it's really attractive um one of the challenges then is um you know when when, when we're asking the, the question about racial injustice, for example, uh, and, um, and and we say, well, we're going to the gospel as, 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 as we are called to do. And we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan again as a sort of guide for how we should respond to racial injustice. It clearly tells us what to do there. Um, we uh, um, that, that is often not satisfactory. Kids are like, yeah, gospel, great. But people are dying and starving in the streets right now and, and, and they're getting murdered. And what are we doing about that? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that sir clearly has gone wrong there is that we have been very, uh, that kid is really solid in a corporal works of mercy, as I, as I mentioned before, but maybe really sort of under, um, under educated the notion of, of the spiritual works of mercy and that they must go together. You can't separate them out and do them. Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise you're just feeding the poor. You're just feeding the poor, right? And 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 the best the best way to feed the poor is turn the stones into bread, right? Just do that, right? Because right, you, you can, uh, um, that's not that's not what we do. We're 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 made for much more than that. So we always have to put those things together. Of course, we're called to serve the poor. Of course, I mean, absolutely. There, that 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 is absolutely what we're called to do. Um, uh, I need right thinking again. It's it's reading, writing, and thinking. People um, who are trained well. Uh, who have a, a groundedness uh, uh, in, in who they are um, as a beloved child of God to then go out and do and do and do the work um, to go out to do it uh, before you're ready, uh, you know, is to put that freshman on the varsity and have him get cracked over before he's right. really ready to kind of make a move. Yeah. One, one of the other things that was going through my mind as you were just sharing is, you know, in so many ways when they enter into say, uh, uh, college, you know, in their university setting, a lot of times they're dealing with people that are arguing on the basis of sentimentality mm. rather than say a philosophic understanding or, uh, you know, a more, uh, principled worldview or something like that. It's just coming out of their, their feelings. Are we mm. equipping students to really, uh, deal with that kind of where the worldview is really more on how I feel about something than rather how I think about it? Well, not good enough. We're, we're not, uh, if we're doing it, uh, certainly at Marine Catholic, we are, we are simply, we're, we're certainly just emerging into, in, in, into that, uh, like, you know, to, we're, we're answering the question, what hath Jerusalem to, to you know to do with Athens or what Athens has to do with Jerusalem. We need to integrate both the the, the reason and the, and the and the faith. Of course, of course we do, and, and and that's been talked about for a good long time. Mm -hmm. um, 
the, the, the synthesis of those is, is, is just challenging all, all the time. Sure. We, li- we work in a compartmentalized environment, right? Schools have been compartmentalized for a good long time. And so it's easy to kind of separate things up. Science is science here, math is math over there, and English is over there. So, um, but the, the real learning comes when that, that integration, uh, you know, again, happens. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 and we have to look for inroads in every discipline to actually make sure that we're, we're, we're attending to the overall mission. So, for example, in science, you know, we're really, you are teaching kids methodology. It's all truth seeking. First of all, that's really, really, right. really important. Is that mm-hmm. we need to we need to understand that uh, you know as we're developing, we say at Marine Catholic, we're developing uh, poets, philosophers, and saints. We're we're ultimately saying what we're doing is we're we're trying to form truth seekers. Um, that really is the uh, we we number one believe in objective truth, and number two. Um, we know we're made to seek that objective truth. That's that's what we're doing. You know, that's that's what we're called. Right. So, um, so in science, uh, for example, it's uh, you know, it's it's really easy to go through a, a chemistry or a physics class and not mention Jesus, right? <laughs> you can do that. Nobody will nobody will notice. Right. <laughs> you, yeah. you forgot to you failed there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you shouldn't go through a science class um, and not talk about creation. Right, that, that that what we're actually we're called to be stewards of creation. Everybody believes that, by the way. At least we're stewards of nature. Um, uh, uh, so to emphasize that notion of creation is really, really important in the science class, um, uh, and and recognizing that we are stewards of it. So everything that we are studying is is a way of sort of inspiring this notion that if you do care about climate change, for example, which is a highly emotional and politicized thing, if you really do care about it. You got to hunker down and really know what you're talking about. You really need to learn. And again, we um, um, we we need to have curriculum designers who are are steeped both in uh, uh, the truth of the gospel. That is, they're well formed and trained. As as I said at the beginning of this, I had to go back to school and really become an, a, a student of the faith to really kind of understand what the heck I was doing. And I'm still mm-hmm. on my way. I'm, I'm not there, but I um, uh, but we need teachers that are are formed in the faith, but we also need people who are formed in the, in the discipline, right? Because we don't want a distortion of the faith and we mm-hmm. don't want to lose the integrity of the discipline at the same time, right? That's, that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so if, if, if the gospel tells us that the laws of physics are wrong, you gotta, that's a bad reading of the gospels, right? Exactly, and if you, have yeah. law, if, you, if you have the laws of physics uh, saying that the gospel's incorrect, well, you got, that's a, that's a wrong approach to physics as well. That's a misunderstanding. So we just have to kind of, again, reframe, in a way that's going to sort of help us explore and understand that. So I do think that um, uh, you know the muscle and the the the, the, the precision and the um, you know I get the muscle and the precision of the curriculum is so really important. It has to be good. It has to be strong. It has to be it has to be uh, accessible and real for kids to sort of understand. So they don't look at the at the grayness or the weakness of of, of uh, the gospel being held up in in, in one class or another. Yeah, that way there's there's not this compartmentalization where, yes. you know, there's theology and then there's science. That's and, right. uh, you know, never the twain yeah. shall meet. When right. both can inform the other, maybe not define the other, uh, yeah. but inform the other. And and it right. really does provide, provide that synthesis that, that we're looking right. for. Right. I mean, you know, t- two half truths don't make a whole truth, right? <laughs> you know, if you're just looking at half the truth, it, it, it is not true. It's, 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 so it's only, you know, it, it's, it, it suggests truth, but it's not, it's not true. It's only when you put them together, right. Those two half truths and you, and you link them in, in perfect bond that they become true. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in uh, that section uh, the second subsection 
of this, uh, Archbishop Miller makes a, a, a comment that to me uh, is, is really uh, pretty challenging, exciting uh, to think about. Uh, it's something I could preach on, you know, with great animation, but to live it out uh, and to actually see it happen is would be really amazing. And this is what he says. He says, a second principle governing all Catholic education from the apostolic age down to the present is the notion that the faithful should be engaged in transforming culture in the light of the gospel. Schools prepare students to relate the Catholic faith to their particular culture and to live that faith into practice. Wow, that's that's preaching material, but boy, yeah. living that out is really a challenge. What what goes through your mind when you hear those words? Yeah, well, the first thing I think of is that is that that quote that's attributed to to, to Pope Benedict. I'm not sure if it's it's actually correct, but um, this notion that you're you're made for greatness, not for comfort. Right. That, that's a really big one. Right. Because mm -hmm. because the utilitarian enterprise is not about transformation of culture. It's just about sort of maintaining sort of a, you know, maybe an equilibrium, a, a material equilibrium. Right. Um, in terms of the distribution of goods and your own personal comfort and those kinds of things. But we're not made for that. We're, we're, we're called to an adventure. Right. That we're, 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 we're not guaranteed there's not going to be suffering along the way. In fact, we're, we're, we're guaranteed that there will be suffering along the way. Right. So that notion of comfort which is so common now in a, in a, in, a, in the kind of utilitarian approach to education is, is, is really a, it's a huge problem, right? It's a, it's a, it's a huge, huge mm -hmm. problem. So just to be, if you want to transform culture, you got to, at least you have to minimally begin um, that there's going to be some suffering and pain along the way and you better get used, you better get used to that and you better, you better strengthen your, yourself, mind, body, and soul in order, in order to, to, to really, to, to be prepared for that. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is, you know, he uses the word, um, uh, Archbishop Miller uses that, that word strong quite often throughout the thing, throughout, throughout the, 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 the text there. And I, and I really think that's really important in a culture that promises comfort. Uh, we're also promising that you're going to be weakened, right? That you're, you're, that you're going to atrophy in your, in your comfort if you're not exercising the muscles. And I mean, all of them, all the full integrated human muscle, right? Um, is, is, it's there. Yeah, so that's, that's super important. And, and su something that our parents, when they're sending their kids to our schools, need to understand from the get go, right, that we are not promising comfort here, right. And, and, and you know, the, the cliches at this point about the hovering, you know, helicopter parent, right? I, I, I'm Roman Catholic. We always say they're they're double Chinook parents, man. They're high powered, and they're yeah, yeah. Or the bulldozing parent. Oh, yes, exactly. Right? The lawnmower yeah. parents that are mowing everything yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. that's not a strengthening act, right? That's not a strengthening way for for kids. I love uh, the, the Jonathan uh, Height uh, book. I'm I'm forgetting the name of it right now, um, but it, it it opens it opens with a, with a piece of folk wisdom. That I really love, and, and I repeat to parents all the time. Um, and it just simply says, um, "Prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child." Right? That's that's what we're wow. doing. You're about yeah. to embark into a land, right? Again, threshold, right? You're about to head off into the freedom land. Um, it's our job to ensure that those kids are ready, because the world is going to have its way with you if you're not ready. Yeah. It will have yeah. its way with you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And when you were talking about uh, exercising our faith and the challenges that, that uh, we're going to face and breaking down that society will do. It does remind me of, of again, uh, you know, bodybuilding is really destroying 
fiber and that is then built up later. So there is yes. that 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 give and take that has to be there. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. Well, there's one last question that I've asked everybody, and that is, uh, as you read through the document, is there an additional identifying mark that you think should be added to his list, or do you think it's pretty complete? Hmm. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I've listened to this podcast. I wasn't prepared for that question. I'd say, I, you know, I really, as I, I said at the beginning, I, 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 everything resonates here for me and it does feel like a, a, a fully integrated and integrated um, a document. Um, you know, I, I, and it, but it, and it really does cover both the tradition and the, and the, and the sort of zeitgeist, the spirit of the age uh, that, that we're in right now. You know, you know, Father, I have to say, um, the uh, I have I haven't looked back at all all of the of of the uh, um, the the marks in a while, but I really love that sustained by gospel witness piece at the end, um, and and I think that I would only add to that piece that are uh, are you know back to that language remark that I made before. Learning how to communicate fully, tell your story is 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 so extremely important. Um, uh, everybody, everybody that graduates from Marine Catholic, I want them to be able to tell their their faith story. And I want right. I want a spiritual autobiography to sort of come out of them by the end of their four years here. What is their relationship with the faith? How, what have been the twists and and, and turns a, along the road? Um, but that but I think that's encapsulated. This, that's not an addition additional remark. It's just bringing all those things together. If they can tell their story in full witness. Uh, we've done our job. Wow. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, boy, Chris Valdez, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been uh, really fantastic. Uh, and uh, if anybody wants to learn more about Marin Catholic, uh, where can they go on the internet? Right. So marincatholic.org is, is uh, our, our website there. And I, I, I could always be reached at Steve Valdez at marincatholic.org, always looking to, to uh, sort of extend and strengthen our network of people who are trying to do the good work. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. And I know you did a, a webinar for uh, Duke and Altum recently on on uh, the English curriculum, which uh, sounds pretty fascinating. So I think that they can find that on our DIA schools website as well. Uh, right. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, we're, we're really proud of that work. It's it's it's, it's been really important work. And I, I didn't touch on that so much in, in, in this conversation, but that has been a that that work in the English redesign really has been transformational. Um, there is what I what I've discovered through that process, uh, and, and I alluded to it earlier, just in terms of developing text criteria, reworking our outcomes. Um, I didn't. I I think I didn't quite understand how that transformative work in English was going to actually serve and penetrate the entire curriculum. And our theology teachers could not be happier because they're they're saying we're no longer um, seeing kids coming in with this intention to just deconstruct the text because that's not what we're doing in English, right? We're doing, mm -hmm. we're doing so much, we're doing so much more exploratory work. Uh, so it's not just about skeptical, what, you know, take this thing apart and put it back mm -hmm. together. And uh, that really serves their, their, um, their experience in theology in huge, huge ways. And I could talk about other classes as well, but uh, yeah, so to, to, to do this well across in, 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 in subjects outside of theology um, really has hugely beneficial effects. And it may be, it may be more important to have excellence in your English department than it is in your theology department. That's controversial. I get a lot of trouble <laughs> for that, but, it, but in terms of just practical movement forward of an institution closer right. to, 
to Jesus, man, I, it's, it's been, it's been huge. Well, and I think a lot of the, the, the worldview issues can rise or fall on the basis of texts chosen in the English department, I would guess. That's right. That's right. I mean, yeah. no, no, there's, there's no doubt about it. Again, when you're touchstone, when you're touchstone text, when the things that sort of bring your curriculum, uh, bring your students together are the gospels the, 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 and the parables specifically, but, if, but equally, if it's the odyssey, I mean, I made a, you know, I just said twist and turns. Like if you're, if that's a reference point, well, then it's, we're speaking the same language and we're kind of all on the same journey. It's true with Shakespeare. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's true with all the great literature of our time um, done well. And it's true with the literature that's even maybe would be con considered secondarily if it's touchstone and done, and, and done well. Um, it, it, it draws a community together. I hear a second podcast coming on. I think <laughs> okay. I may need to get in touch with you and see if we could talk more about that. It's, uh, it is such an important, uh, important area to talk about. Chris, again, thank you so much for being with us. Father, thank you for having me. Thank you. God bless. And for our audience, if you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow our podcast and to leave a comment to encourage us toward future programming. To learn more about uh, the Duke and Altam Schools Collaborative, please visit our website at diaschools.org. And also, I want to thank our production assistant, Alex Shire, for assisting in the production of this podcast. May Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altam Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.